listening to Pick Hard Talk exclusively on the Pod Station. Welcome listeners to another episode of Picard Talk. This week it is episode 5, Stardust City Rag. The two marks are delivering insights to this episode. Will we find Jonathan Frakes brings us a wonderful another episode? Will 7 and 9 slide down the corridors of a Borg cube? Will we see another EMH appear who happens to be in charge of toiletries? <laughs> Let's delve more into episode five. We will be breaking apart, discussing, dissecting and assimilating this week's episode and will involve some conversation, chat, discussion and social commentary. I'm joined as usual. I've beamed him directly aboard. USS podcaster, my fellow friend, Mark. Hi, mate. How are you? Yeah, I can't decide. What if you're okay? No, because we've we've just watched the episode again, haven't we? We are coming at this fresh. Indeed, Um, raw. And I'm currently having this schizophrenic argument with myself over this episode you are as well yes i am <laughs> and me as well <laughs> there's a few of you you are like one of the emhs yes well there's two of me at the minute one that liked it and one that thought it was really dumb welcome aboard thank you i'm mark latham and together we are the two marks bringing you an irreverent look at star trek picard mark why don't you tell the listeners how they can get in touch with us or listen to us on other platforms that's only because you can't remember it isn't it that's true <laughs> we're on social media picard talk that's facebook instagram and twitter hit us up on there that'd be cool we'd love to hear your comments you can email us if you're so inclined that's picardtalk at thepodstation.co.uk if you're liking the show please give us a five star review we haven't had any so far but we're desperate to get somewhere a brand new show we're wet behind the ears we need a little bit of love so that'd be all very nice you can find us on all the major podcast platforms presumably you've already found us if you're listening to this but if you subscribe it automatically drops on which is great patreon.com forward slash thepodstation you can become a patron of ours which means we can get you on as a guest there'll be some other benefits that will be flying their way towards you and it helps us do more of this really wonderful well we always like the five stars don't we love a five star why not be the first to be giving us a five star review and we'll name drop you boom incentive right there indeed and if you give us your thoughts we'll read them out how on earth could someone resist resistance is futile isn't it it is (laughs) nice This week's synopsis, the La Serena crew begin an unpredictable and lively expedition on FreeCloud to search for Bruce Maddox. When they learn Maddox has found himself in a precarious situation, a familiar face offers her assistance. Discuss. Mark, what are your initial thoughts? I liked it. No, I didn't. I loved it. Uh, No, I hated it. Yeah, no, I think I liked it. That's kind of how my brain is working at the minute. Let me come at this with some sort of logic. (sighs) We've got 10 episodes of Picard, which at 40 minutes an episode is about seven hours or so of TV. We've been waiting for 20 years for this. There's not a lot of show for an awful lot of weight, and it's taken us four episodes just to get to this point where it kind of looks like he's got his crew together. I think we've got the crew now, haven't we? Yeah. The storyline of what's going on in the background with the Romulans and all that jazz is moving painfully slowly we've got this episode which seems like a complete step outside of the whole story arc i mean i know there's little threads that have moved it forward slightly but largely this was sort of a standalone heist style episode which on the one hand is kind of fun Mm -hmm. and gave us a nice look at perhaps different aspects of our new characters personalities which was nice. Mm. We saw some nice character development. We moved some of the storylines forward a little bit, which is good. On the other hand, it's got absolutely fuck all to do 
with the ball cubie thing. And we managed to find Maddox, who we promptly killed immediately. It's just, yeah, I can't decide. What, tell me what I need to think, Mark. Well, I would agree with what you've just said in regard to... Which one of me? All of you that are <laughs> fighting for supremacy. See, this is why you need a collective. You need to be a queen. I am. <laughs> That'll explain the skirt. You aren't wrong with what you've just described. I think the episode was good. It was action-packed. It had fast-paced spits in it and different things. I'm sure we're going to break it down further and discuss the different bits that popped out. But it did sort of move us further away than where I would have thought we were heading, having now what seemingly seems to be we've got the crew. I think that is basically it That now. seems to be the crew, which doesn't look like it's going to include Seven of Nine, which is Another. even more annoying. Another... <sighs> Anticlimax, isn't it? We've been waiting for five episodes for Seven to turn up. She turns up, we're all super mega excited because she's all damaged and a little bit more nuanced than she once was. And then they take her away from her just as we get our hands around her. Bosom, I mean, waist. <laughs> her they, augmented spinal column. They rip her away. Yes, indeed. And that's annoying. Because now we've got no Laris and no Seven, two people who I think would have been super cool crew members of this gang. I don't know what happened there. I suppose they've done that so it, it doesn't become the norm so we don't get used to her being on there so maybe they'll use her character someone that just drops in from time to time I know but this felt like a really fan service appearance mm. we happen to pick her up at the most convenient time in the world which is why we're headed to a place where she so happens to be the perfect solution to the problem that we've got mm. and then she disappears afterwards I mean the other thing as well we do seem to get a few answers to questions or we seem to get a little bit nearer to some of the things we've been talking about in previous podcasts and um, with regards to the board cube and things like that which I know later in the show we will we'll touch upon one thing I wanted to do is address an error that I made in one of the earlier podcasts which I said that the board cube was in fact the one from first contact now I'm always banging on about people evidencing things and going away and factually finding out things so I did that myself and I'm, I'm held to the same account as others I went away watched first contact again quite clearly there was one single board cube that the federation fought the battle of sector 001 and in fact that is promptly destroyed by the Amada shortly after the sphere heads off to see Zephyrin Cochrane in the past. We are now presented with another board cube that we know has been captured from this episode, but I just wanted listeners who had probably wanted to write in and haven't and just seething, sucking their teeth. I've got away and I'm just correcting that error. It's not the board cube. You haven't slept all week for that, have you? <laughs> I've just had to get it right. I have to say, I slept soundly like a baby. <laughs> Accuracy does not matter to me in this instance. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's all square to me. Hey, we now have the mystery of the ball cube running through in a kind of a semi chronological order. Last week's episode, the unusual approach to what I like to call radical honesty and what I have employed in my life for over 20 years. You're not 20. No, over 20 years. I didn't pop out of the womb. How old are you? I'm 44. So why has it not been over 40 years? Because I didn't pop out the womb speaking and talking truth. What about over 30 years? That would have made you 14. Were you not candid when you were 14? I was brought up to be candid, but I wasn't forthright candidness. Don't forget, people are lied to by individuals. You were being perfectly honest by saying over 20 years, not over 30 years. I was being accurate. You've just proven the point. I was being radical honesty from a point of when I thought was reasonable. Well, also, at the age of 15, people don't like you being honest. They like you to lie to them. Which is clearly what happened in this episode. <laughs> Seven of nine has 
has not been honest this week. In fact, is the opposite of absolute candour. And they all go undercover. Well, everyone's lying. They're all telling each other. They're all at it. I mean, just to break down this part of the episode where they are going on a uh, essentially an away mission. Uh, the first one as a group, we get to see them all dress up as if they go into a fancy dress with a little bit of a backstory, which is they've captured seven of nine. Uh, we found that, don't we, that early on that they're harvesting parts and things. And then they go on an away mission. Let's go further back than that. Let's start with the opening scene. I've heard on the grapevine that there are people who are taking umbrage to the repeated use of the F word in this season, which is interesting because I haven't heard the same rumblings about the fact that we've got people's heads being chopped off with samurai swords, young girls being obliterated with acid that's been spat all over them. Now, people who've had their eyeballs <laughs> plucked out in great detail. Without anaesthetic. Without anaesthetic in the opening scene. Yeah. The level of violence as opposed to the odd use of the word fuck seems slightly disproportionate if you ask me. Is this why people aren't giving us five star reviews? Possibly. <laughs> Mate, <laughs> listeners, when you tune into this, you know what you're getting. We're not hiding anything. You're getting candid reviews reviews based on two adults who speak it how they see it and that's the way forward if you don't like it you need to get yourself back in some bubble wrap <laughs> this i mean i have nightmares about things being pierced through me eye or my eyeballs being pulled out. i mean it, obviously these aren't common dreams but if you ever have a nightmare about someone doing something untoward to you it usually for me revolves around the eye i can't you occasionally wear contact lenses and it just turns me stomach watching people grappling around with their eyeball just getting the contact lenses out so yeah. this was my idea of a, a nightmare just watching this scene but kudos because they didn't hold back did they no do you remember the bit in first contact where the picard's dreaming incidentally yeah about having something go in his eyeball they're drilling his eye and oh yeah it up. comes down yeah. doesn't it yeah so they're kind of a little bit of a i'm not saying that's particularly a call back to that but it goes towards what you're saying they seem to be focusing on the eyeball a lot i wear contact things for different roles the, the worst thing is when they split and go behind your eye <laughs> Try fishing one of them out, bad boy. Yeah, that, that'll give well, you. Well, I've just seen a solution on the telly. Just pull your eyeball you just out. Pull your eyeball out. <laughs> you can reach in and <laughs> grab, grab it. it. Just fished your eyeball. <laughs> okay, whatever floats your boat. But yeah, it turns out it's Echeb. I mean, I have to be honest, I didn't particularly like Echeb from the Voyager series. He yeah. was a bit of a, a nerdy dullard of a character for me personally. However, it's always nice to have a bit of a callback. And it's... Well, now we're introducing Voyager. It's nice to have the callback, but yeah. I mean, the clasping at straws a little bit because this is a kind of a, a lesser known. He's mentioned in one of the books. And it's not the same character who played him either, which well, you've got to be a bit gutted about if you're the original Echeb. Exactly, yeah, yeah. They don't really use... He was in the last episode, wasn't he, Endgame? of Voyager 2001. He's also a 2009 Star Trek novel. He's a Star Trek cadet in Starfleet Academy. There is a little bit of backstory to that character. Nice link, to be fair, in terms of they were both Borg that the Voyager had helped. She's taken him under her wing. Well, she took all of them, didn't she? Yeah. There was about three or four of Which them. Which is nice. I like the way they've brought that into the story because what it's given her is validation. She's now concreted into this storyline now because she's ex-Borg. She's looking after people who are ex Borg and being essentially marginalised. Nice social awareness. The Borg ship is the biggest mystery. What's going well, on there? Well, you see, this was interesting when, obviously, I'd got over the fact that the poor lad's eyeball had just been ripped out of his skull and they were about to start drilling into his forehead. It suddenly dawned on me that there seems to be this demand for Borg bits. Borg bits. That's Borg the name of my bits. company. It's one that you sprinkle on your salad as well. Borgbits.com. <laughs> for Jazzle. 
And I know that's not a name, but that's what it ought to be. Vajazzle had... Oh, Vajazzle McClunge. Yeah. <laughs> she she was doing all the harvesting of Borgie bit. The Romulans are doing it on the Borg Cube. For me, this seems to possibly lend into the bigger story that we yet to determine, which is that for some reason, they are harvesting Borg bits that they're going to do something with. Well, there's definitely a cybernetic black market thing going on, isn't there? Somebody's doing something for profit and we're kind of jumping ahead, but we do find out, don't we, later in the episode that in fact, one of the things that I was talking about in the previous podcast was why the Federation don't have any involvement on the cube or in fact have oversight. And the reality is it's in Romulan space, so they're not allowed. I know it's quite diminished the power vacuum that was created from what we were talking last week. So the Romulan aren't as well, strong Well, they're not going to go into Romulan space, no. are they? Because they, 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 they will... pissed them off by pulling all the shit. Absolutely. So the so tensions are still running high as they have continued for many years. They've obviously respected the the fact that it could cause another war by going into Romulan space. So now we know why the Romulans can operate without any oversight with the Borg cube. We don't know where that Borg cube's come from. We may find out a little bit of backstory hopefully in the next five episodes. It may lead into season two. Do we think we're going to see Quark? I'm not entirely convinced we'll see Picard in season two. <laughs> Just be the guy in the show at 10 forward. Well, yeah, I guess that makes a bit more. Seven of Nine is now a well and truly damaged piece of kit because the poor lass had to kill Echeb. A mercy killing. Yeah, which is pretty grim. This is why I'm a little bit frustrated about this episode because it would have been really interesting to see a bit more about Seven as a character and how she's developed because mm. this is a completely different Seven of Nine to the one from Voyager. The one from Voyager was very Borg-like and coming to terms with humanity, yes. but ultimately being guided within that comfy little bubble of the Voyager Starfleet utopia yep. um, approach. She's now had 13 years of the shit it in the fan on a daily basis on the back of having seen someone who she saw as her surrogate child having been brutally mutilated and then had to be killed at her own hands. This isn't the same utopia-believing do good seven of nine that we first came across in Voyager. She's she's now quite in touch with reality. Well, she's getting she's the hardcore version now, isn't she? She's the, the, the Sarah bourbon Connor drinking. Yeah, she's the hard drinking Sarah Connor, no nonsense talking renegade. She's famous, isn't she? She's got the world's biggest title known to man. Did you make a note of the full well, version? I think I did. The uh, Delta Quadrant X Borg Fenis Ranger Seven Renegade Lass. <laughs> from far away she's obviously got a bit of reputation about herself the bit you mentioned about her being on Voyager you know the Doctor and Janeway and the crew always were developing her to come back to well they kept her on the right path didn't they they were trying to get her back to remember the way she was when she was on the Raven but obviously she was a child before when she was taken from the Raven she's kind of relearning to be human which was the interesting thing wasn't it because you've got the likes of the Doctor who was his role apart from trying to think of a name was to have a better bedside manner then you've got Data whose aim was to be more human you had to Paul who was trying to get in touch with emotions be more human and now you've got a Borg who is human was assimilated and is going back to be more human there's a bit of a pattern of trying to search for the best thing a question in fact that she asks Picard isn't it before she transports down we're kind of flitting around this episode but yeah. we'll get there it was well it was interesting when her and Picard were interacting because she was this very damaged I mean I think at one point she describes her job as hopeless and pointless mm. but somebody's got to do it which is a very non-federation type approach 
yeah. as in as in how it was. And yet when her and Picard were having interactions throughout this episode, Picard was quite good at talking around. I mean, I know ultimately he didn't quite manage to talk around enough to keep her on that straight and narrow. But she responded quite positively to the things that she said. You could almost see on her face this warm comfort blanket of what he was saying, which was very resonant about how Jane Wayne might have said it. Yeah. Only for her to then just click back into the, yeah, no, that's nice, but that's how it was, and this is how it is now, and this is how I've got to do things, mm. which is ultimately why it ended the way it did. I am just gutted she's not going to be around. Time will tell. I hope that we do see her again. She's a really good character, and they've obviously worked well with the backstory. Continuing the intro, we get to see a older version of Bruce Maddox, who has been mentioned. People will know him from Measure of a Man, when he was trying to get hold of data to do some experiments on him. Well, time's definitely not been kind to because he's a different person. <laughs> time is time different... taking that man, thrown him out, recast him, brought a new one in, who looks old and old battered. And battered. <laughs> we get him wheeled in. We also get to see Bay Jazzle or Badgers. Badge, what do you, you call it? Jizaz, uh, Jizzle. Vigizzle. Jizzle. No, shoot. Jizzle. Bajizzle. Let me look it up on IMDb. I mean, as soon as they said it, I just giggled like a little schoolboy. <clears throat> I thought it was Bajazzle. BJ. <laughs> BJ, so add BJ and add Zill on it, so whatever BJ is. With yeah, a Zill. it's Bajazzle. Bajazzle. For the interest of comic relief, you've been calling it Vajazzle. I have. Who's I've been lost in pictures to her <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> Not on Instagram, sorry, on IMDb. Put it this way, there's no room for fat bits in the outfit that she was wearing. You don't want to be have IBS in that, do you? I'd have looked like the Michelin man if I'd have been wearing that. Well, I would look like someone just poured a pile of concrete <laughs> into a pair of trousers. <laughs> Do you imagine if you messed yourself in that, you would be standing at a bar going, I think you've got piles there, mate. Even piles, you wouldn't have piles, would you, and wear that costume? Well, at least it'd act like a louvre for you to be able to get it off, because it doesn't look like it'd be an easy thing. I, occasionally, very occasionally, if I exercise and you you know you wear them skin tops that keep you warm, getting one of them buggers off when you've been exercising, it's like, like a you're, stand, you're standing in the, in the gym trying to like peel it off. Yeah. <laughs> That's a workout. I don't bother going to the gym now, I just put one of them on. That's my workout. It, you'd have to be like a bob slay like just lube yourself up just to get into the top wouldn't you i think she doesn't need any lube no well no what she told me anyway (laughs) well i think i think the inari lizard man was probably in makeup less time than it took for her to be able to put on and take off that outfit she probably just came to work wearing that she probably was after living it for the rest of her life because there's no way you're getting that off is it that's what she said (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for Jazzle, in fact, you said exactly what I was thinking at that moment, which was, it's Deanna Troy. Didn't it look like her? It was the spit of a younger, because, of course, we've seen Maria Sirtis yes, since then. And, well, we've seen her in person, haven't we? And as lovely as Marina is, because she is, mm-hmm. um, she doesn't look that young anymore. No. And I mean that with the greatest respect. It was almost like a, while they've CG Deanna Troy yeah, back like in... the age Yeah, like yeah. the de-age thing. And then yeah. it was like, oh, no, it isn't. But bloody hell, it does look like her. Mm, absolutely. From a distance. From a distance. <laughs> your turn to regale me with song. Having corrected ourselves, said the man in the orthopedic trousers, um, <laughs> Bruce Maddox clearly lasts, what, 45 seconds, 30 seconds on the screen? Well, what a dick, right? So, you've got this badass godmother. Is that a, is that a phrase now? I don't know you've got, like, a godfather, but, you know... Let's like, go with it. Go, godmother, who you owe money to, who you've racked up to advise that not only has the work that you've been doing under her funding been destroyed, but that you're now not going to be able to pay the money back. <laughs> 
Mm. I'm not sure that's going to go necessarily well. So when she hands you a drink, <laughs> the first thing I'm probably not going to do is drink it unless I've seen her pour it from the same bottle that she then drinks from first. I mean, I thought it was dead at the beginning. I was waving my arms at the telly going... Four episodes I've waited, and we've killed him in the first ten seconds. Very Game of Thrones-esque. I, I thought we'd killed him. I thought he was dead. Yeah. Um, so not only was it not the, the same actor who played Bruce Maddox, they brought someone else in who lasted on screen 45 seconds. And then we're like, all right, uh, thanks for that. So, what, I mean, what did you think of Free Cloud as a place? I got the impression... Well, what I did like, actually, because I'm jumping ahead of myself, because uh, my mind is like yours and is just wanting to offload the entirety of my thought processes. This is like verbal diarrhea, yeah. guys. This is why we shouldn't really do this straight <laughs> after watching it for the first time. It's like, We're all over the place. <laughs> Brain's going to explode. Much the same as if I was wearing that costume, um, I would just empty my entirety into it. <laughs> I did like, as they were entering the system of Free Cloud, all the pop-ups. It looks like their ad blocker on their ship wasn't working. Yeah, we've, so, we've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when they got there, I did get the impression that it was a bit more... It was a bit like... Um, well, I think you said Vegas. I was thinking a bit like Blade Runner, in, you know, where you've got all of the hologram... If, you, if you've seen the latest Blade Runner, they play on the whole aesthetics of how Blade Runner landscape look. Yeah, well, the pop-up thing amused me because a few years ago, I was doing some work with a barrister who was telling me about a client that she was working with in a foreign country, which will remain nameless because I don't want to fraction too much upon IP rights. The long and short of it was they had this software that would be able to eye-retina scan people while you're walking through, say, a shopping mall and a bit like Minority Report, recognise your face, attach it to a Facebook profile, look through your search patterns, see what it is you've been looking for, and then as you're walking past, bring up on that billboard an advert that was bespoke to what you've been looking for. So dynamic advertising then? That's one word for it. I was thinking, well, if somebody's got piles and they were searching up pile cream the day before, you don't be walking through the biggest shopping centre in a major city only for an enormous billboard for piles to be pointing straight at you going, Mark! <laughs> Do you have piles? Have you ever shat yourself in public and it wasn't your fault? Or in fact, was your fault? Are you suffering from erectile dysfunction? And then the whole world get to see that. Yes. So, yeah, there is a flaw. And that's what the pop-up seemed to me. It was I think they had Raffi's was sort of drug-related. You know, come and smoke the herb or whatever it is. Our mutual friend has had that come up on his Facebook. Who? Gareth. <laughs> <laughs> I have changed his name to protect innocent. So Gareth, in this case, is called Dave. He owes us quite a lot of money. I think we need to send skin-tight pants to see him. <laughs> he gets a lot of dynamic advertisement, which is mostly um, single sites <laughs> and Christian sites. I'm sure that's not the case now because he has found himself true love. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about, and that's a thing. It does happen. It's dangerous because if you do happen to frequent the net for those very specialised websites... It was clever, though. It was well done. It's and ahead of its time, I isn't felt, it? I felt sorry for Elnor, who had none. thought the girl didn't get one? No. She got the punchy she one, She got she? the robot. She had to punch in the head. Do we not uh, think Elnor. that's a bit of a clue? Uh, well, no, that's because she specialises in... Robotics. Robotics. Not because she's... Not because she is a robot. 
Dun, dun, dun. Okay. But Alnor didn't get one, did he? He didn't get one on fire and arrows into heart. Well, no, because I'm not sure he's necessarily been online because he's been training with warrior ninja nuns. He's also about 12, isn't he? So he's probably not been allowed on the computer. I mean, bless him. I love Elnor. He had some, he, I mean, he only had three things to say, but all three of them were still stonking lines, which on the back of last week's stonking few lines that he had, he was ever so excited when he got to pretend to lie to be somebody else. He couldn't get his head around no. the fact that they were pretending to be somebody else. Yeah. Um, I and well, that's why they had him say nothing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, to be fair, they've got, even even though we're missing on good characters that could be in the, the crew, the crew they've got in terms of depth of character and, and the way the storyline could go, pretty decent. They're growing on me at a quite rapid rate. Because you liked Rios, didn't you? Love Rios. I and mean, we'll come to Rios in a minute. Yeah. I love Rios. I think he's been cracking. I think Elnor's, uh, Elnor's seems pretty cool. I do like him. Raffi. Raffi grew me quite a lot this episode. I yes. Think I, she became a bit more rounded still, and I, I really do like her. I think her story now has taken on a different thing, because we were thinking, and I'll take ownership of this, that she was kind of going to pay off a debt. Yeah, well, I thought that yeah, as well. Girati, yeah. uh, I've always sort of mentally kept her to one side because I think we know she's going to be a bad person, whether she knows she's a baddie or whether she doesn't, I don't know. But I'm sort of keeping her separate to that. But all the others have got this really nice interaction with one another, which has made me grow to like them a I lot hope quicker. they continue that. The team was never divided as such. They've all, we've always said, haven't we, they've always got their own skill set and particular traits, and Rios and Picard's dynamic works very well, and I think the other members of the cast and the crew will fit into that. And I suppose the thing with a show that's going to spend most of its time on a ship, travelling from one place to another, jump off, jump back on the ship, travel somewhere else, you don't want a huge crew. So although we're not happy, potentially, that Seven of Nine has literally been a cameo, you probably what you don't want to do steal the show think no. of it from star quality you've got Picard boom don't start firing all these rational arguments at me <laughs> to unpick everything that I've said completely unreasonably in the heat of the moment true story <laughs> to have another powerful strong character is going to make those other people be the equivalent of Michael Keaton in Batman and Batman Returns where he was just overshadowed by Jack Nicholson Danny DeVito Michelle Pfeiffer you can't compete with these juggernauts of, of casting quality I can see although from a fan favourite would probably want 7 or 9 and also want her in the show every single week we probably need to be mindful of the fact that it's just going to steal from Rios and his 15 EMHs <laughs> I do love Rios. I've decided I do like him. Um, It was quite a telling point right at the very beginning of this episode when him and Rafi are talking about Seven of Nine and Picard being in the uh, boudoir together. (laughs) And he quite noticeably says, I'd blocked out Picard as a boy. Which, sorry. As a boy? I've I've blocked out Picard as a bog, which instantly said to me that Rios is a fanboy of Picard. Yeah. And that comes across, we mentioned it last week, and it was clearly apparent here again where I think at one point when they get back on the ship, he refers to Picard as Sir. So he's the captain of the ship, but he still sees Picard as being his superior. Picard seems to deal with this in such a way where there is no pissing contest at any point. They actually bounce quite nicely off one another. I don't know what it is like off camera, but on camera, there definitely seems to be this nice vibe about them all. Picard and Rios are quite nice. He absolutely idolises Picard. Picard obviously sees him as the captain of the ship and sort of serves a purpose, but because 
Rios is so nice in terms of how he's dealing with Picard. Picard's quite nice in dealing mm. back with Rios. Rios seems to be the kind of guy who, if he asked him a question, he would just say yes. So they were like, do you want to go to Romulan space? Yes. Do you want to dress like a pimp? Okay, yes. Let's talk about that. <laughs> well, the pimp outfit. Well, let's um, move this on a little bit forward and talk about the little away mission that has everyone dressing up like it's Halloween. I know. It did feel like it was a fancy dress party. Did somebody just push that through and go, I think what we need to do is we need to dress up. I mean, what on earth was Picard wearing? Well, Mr. Ben... Clearly, was what didn't have anything of value. They've just thrown something at him. He, he is a poor version of Jack Sparrow, Sir Patrick Stewart. A word from our mouths to your ears. With the humblest of apologies, you are the most fantastic actor. Accents are not your forte. It was slightly better. The English version of a French accent was marginally better than his attempt at French in a French accent in episode one, which was even worse than that. Yeah. But that's saying something because even this wasn't the best French accent I've ever seen. Was it French? It was like a caricature, wasn't it? It was like a caricature was doing a stereotypical version of a French person badly. But then added to that, he'd dressed like Errol Flynn on crack. Well, there's no way you were going to recognise him with that eye patch in the scar, was it? I didn't know that was him until the only time I knew it was him was when he, do you remember when, when he lifted, lifted it up? up. I, was I was like, like ah, there where he is. You, where have you been for the past 10 minutes? They've done the makeup very well. They gave him a scar. 10 out of 10 for the makeup people. I did not know that was Picard until his eye patch was lifted <laughs> because the scar you gave him completely removed any kind of trait of characteristics that I would recognise him as Picard. I did like the way, though, when Seven had the hood over her head and he whips off and he was like, ta-da! Like a really shit magician. Like, like a really over-the-top uh, camp fashion designer. It's Pulling like, off all her Borg applications at the same I time. I thought that was really, really funny. I liked that. This is where the episode lost me because it felt stupid. Well, we were talking after the show. You've got to have a, a pirate a pimp, pimp and a mute walk into a bar. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> It's like the start of a bad joke. Felt ludicrous, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. That's where this episode kind of took me out of it. The heist bit was was quite good. I like the way it was bouncing Ocean's Eleven style between mm. them doing the heist and them planning the heist. I thought that was quite good. And yet again, the thing that annoys me quite a lot with these sorts of things is you've got this top dog gangster. Bazel. Notorious the Fajazzle. Yeah. Who it seems, tell me if I'm wrong and I picked up the wrong vibe, is the ex-girlfriend of Seven of Nine. No, that's what I got as well. Yeah. She's supposed to be the top dog. Everyone fears her. She's not someone to be trifled with. And yet her security is shit because five people beam into a club, get what they need, which is a highly prized, valuable asset, Maddox, and manage to escape, killing a couple of people in the process. And then the one single person, i.e. Seven, manages to beam back down, take everybody out, Walk through the nightclub with the world's worst shooting security people. Yeah. Because... Stormtroopers. It's Sevens walking down shooting two guns dramatically. And everyone else is... Oh, this is, near, this it, is near the end, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. My point is that it just... It comes across as too easy. This is where the rushed 40-minute thing irritates me because it shouldn't be that easy that you just beam in, grab what you want and beam out again. It's a bit too convenient, isn't it, that you happen to have Seven to Nine who just happens to have all these Borg implants that are highly prized by the Jazzle who also then happens to be the ex-girl from 30 years ago who fed her a pile of stories to get essentially the guy who she was the mentor to and saved who she then pulls his eye out very quickly told I was just amazed that Frakes hadn't broken the crowbar he used to get that in (laughs) you didn't have time to even stop we've put all this 
huge charade on dressing like a really bad pirate for a little like the uh, what they called the YMCA well I, I made a note and thought that he's joined a new romantic band <laughs> he's like shade a ten to village people Rios dressed like pimp daddy but then you find that ha ha no that she knows this woman and they're talking on first name terms because she calls her Jay. Is it Jay? Yeah. Yeah, and she calls her Annika, which is the name from her childhood, so they know each other quite personally. And there's a little bit of chemistry, shall we say. And then Picard's like, hang on a minute, and up pops his eye, eye <laughs> flap. <laughs> goes, hang I'm on glad a you mi-. finished that sentence. <laughs> pops up with his eye flap and then we've got Eleanor going are we not are we not in character anymore it's like no well the fact you're talking my friend you're supposed to be mute we're not in character the gig's up the real story happens that it's all revenge and the woman who we think is Diana Troy who's wearing the tightest clothing known to man you think Fajazel and Seven got close as it got to know each other because Seven saw Fajazel wearing that outfit and went oh they used to make me wear one of those on the ship I was in oh they don't have chafe around the uh- <laughs> were structured they made as especially to hold certain assets in place which i could do with <laughs> i'll put it on your christmas list thank you a undercarriage holder it was bizarre and I, I just thought the heist was just a bit too quick because of the time constraints it was too quickly in and out the reasons why they were there and the plan that they hatched all just fitted too perfectly together there was no having to improvise on the spot to to make it work quite literally all just worked exactly how they wanted it to and that that's where it let itself out. It took took me out of it, which is a shame because, as I say, I mean, Rios was, was amazing when he's face-to-face with the lizard man and the lizard man's telling him that he can smell lies, he can smell his food, and he can smell if he's had sexy time. And, and uh, So can uh, you tell if you've eaten a spicy sausage? <laughs> well, yeah. Technically, those could fall into the last two categories. And Rios almost says, I mean, he says, when he said, oh, can you smell me yet? I thought he was going to be like, can you smell my fingers? Like, like bum hand. <laughs> yeah, bum hand. That's what ran through the 12-year-old child in me. That's what went into my brain. We've all been there. <laughs> what do we think about this? Because this is a new alien race what bum hand <laughs> well I think it's rude too. especially if you're eating dinner <laughs> do you mean the rock lord yeah he was an anari a lizard being because he does give a little bit of exposition doesn't he I always find it interesting particularly with like villains and bond villains who spend five minutes giving exposition to what they're going to do instead of just shooting someone in the face just explains doesn't need to rios that he has so many receptors that means he can smell a lie which we already got told prior to that because Rios has given some beta blockers yeah like most teenagers these days who suffer with anxiety <laughs> true story he's given them to get away from telling telling another lie he was all right I think it's nice I think it's nice to see new species well they were quite derogatory about this species because they described them as like a sentient lizard okay which sounded it felt it's like they, all- were, they were saying well you know it's not really a a thing but it kind of can talk so we have to treat it a bit like a thing whereas it looked like a perfectly Humanoid legitimate species. thing <laughs> it's nice to get a blend with your existing canon species fans will soon lose interest if you just go to the same old yeah we've talked about it on the other podcast which is disco fever where we say about the klingons don't we yeah klingons are continually wheeled you just out. won't go away them klingons hey no matter <laughs> how hard you flush <laughs> it's essentially the equivalent of doctor who wheeling out the daleks and the cyberman 
then every time they see the season plummeting, they go, I know what we'll do. Just do an episode with Daleks in and all the fans will come back. Yeah. I like the fact they're bringing in new species for the fans. If they do anything else in the future, now they've established the species in these shows, can use them again. I'm happy with that. They reminded me a bit of the Dominion soldiers. The Gem Hadar. Yeah, the Gem Hadar. With the ridges. Yeah, and all like the bubbly bits and stuff. Yeah, the Gem Hadar have the spiky face, don't they, with the chin? Yeah. I think that's why familiarity was there. The similarity, but the skin tone's different and they've got like... Similarity, like, that's the word I should have used. <laughs> but they've got... I'm know, familiar. You know, like your old grandma had stubble. <laughs> I hope you're not listening to this, grandma. It's not true. It's maybe a generic comment. Grandma, who's got your five o'clock shadow coming in for a kiss, haven't given you... <laughs> She's giving you a pound to buy something nice. Like, what are you going to buy for a pound that's nice? Nothing. That's Scouse Grands for you, would have seen, because for the record, that is not what my grandma's look like. She's got a moustache. <laughs> Just very, very rough face. I, yeah. I always like the look of the Gemma doll with their little Ketracil white. Yeah, well, they have the, the drug tube, thing yeah. p- popping well, out the neck. Again, for fans, depending if it's Alpha or Gamma Quadrant variants, because the Alpha Quadrant ones didn't need the Ketracil white. Thank you for that. It's a top bit of information. I'm happy to answer your question. Happy to see new speech as long as they're not just stupid ones bring it on looking forward to more what about Rafi because we get a bit more about background for Rafi it's twofold really so we see Rafi in in two ways we see her planning the heist she clearly was a good federation executive officer officer because the way she's able to investigate things she seems quite tech savvy she can plan she's quite handy to have I would go as far as saying that I've underestimated her yeah I think very early on I immediately went to the go-to place of jumping to conclusion thinking she's damaged goods she's likes a bit of the old reefer she is damaged goods there's no doubt oh about she's that. damaged she's high functioning she's able to get through the day what we were thinking of her maybe going to pay a debt or kill someone she owes money to it isn't that is it what is it let's go and find a son and try and build bridges yeah Put her usefulness as a member of the crew aside for a second. This whole son story arc was actually quite poignant for me because you could understand the hurt and pain that she was feeling Mm. in wanting to try and reignite her relationship with her son. And yet the way in which she was doing it seems indicative of somebody who suffers from an addiction. She pops up completely uninvited and unannounced. She pops up at the re production clinic like the maternity clinic which isn't the best place to suddenly spring yourself upon your son strange son yeah of course she insists that she's clean and that she wants she's putting her life back together again which is horse shit because like two days earlier she was still on the drugs and the booze Mm. she's been clean for a couple of days hitchhiking a lift on the ship to get to Free Cloud doesn't necessarily constitute as putting your life back together and trying to fix it. She's heard that they're headed in the direction of where her son is and she thought, ah, that'd be quite good. If I jump on board there, I can go and see my son and try and fix things. It feels like she's been quite manipulative and almost insincere in a sincere way, if that makes sense. Well, I was going to say the same. I would agree with what you're saying. Nice little scene, though. It was was lovely. I mean, I thought it rounded that character really, really well because... One of the major things from a plot perspective is that part of the reason why she went downhill, because I think in episode one or two, I can't remember what it was, I had a bit of a go at her because when it was episode two, when she lost a job immediately after Picard had I remember quit, you saying, yeah. And I was like, really? She got sacked and she just jibbed off life. Actually, it seems that she got sucked into this conspiracy theory vacuum where she wanted to try and figure out what happened on Mars. And was probably through her quite 
effective investigation skills, probably getting quite close to the truth. The only problem was she was coming up against an enormous beast in the Tal Shiar in the Federation. And is it, well, there's that Vash. You got a cream for that. Still got it. <laughs> She's coming up against some quite prolific foes who would rather bury this down and so she's almost betrayed to the rest of the world as a conspiracy theory nut and it was probably driving her more insane and pushing her more towards that destructive pattern of life because she wasn't being believed even though she was putting together some evidence and actually in this episode certainly before whilst Maddox is suffering from constipation on the uh, yeah from on the medical bed at the end he says I think this is the Tal Shian the Federation that's what happened on Mars and this is what I've been trying to get Daj and Soji to figure out to a degree it sounds like Rafi she might get some redemption in actually being been proven to have been true although that still doesn't necessarily repair what's happened and so there's that quite real quite satisfying damaged background which well she's flawed isn't she although she's very competent and i like the failings that she's been given as part of her narrative her intentions and her execution of what she's trying to achieve has driven her to where she is. She's been thrown out of the Starfleet by no fault of her own because she's followed a mentor who made a unilateral decision to resign because he didn't get his own way, essentially. And that's affected her vicariously, which has spiralled her out. But she's aware of this conspiracy that's going on. And because she's very intuitive and she's a, a good executive officer who's following Starfleet as she should do. Well, she's following the clues. She's following she? the clues, yeah. Which is why we see her episode two where she's doing a little bit of research having said no to Picard she's still doing some background checks and her own investigation she's interested in what's going on it's nice that she's trying to build bridges but we both know as we're the watchers of this that she's still got a long way to go I find myself being warmed towards her more I think so I, I also buy into that relationship with her and Picard I think there was there were scenes in today's episode where you can believe that they were quite close. I think the issue I've always had with Rafi up to this point is the suggestion has been that they were worked closely together and they had a real connection and a real working relationship. And I don't know whether there was a jealousy in the back of my head going, yeah, but she wasn't on the Enterprise and therefore she can't have had that good a relationship because it definitely wasn't better than the relationship he had with all the other mm. people. And I don't know whether there was a sort of a, a reticence to accept somebody else being able to have a relationship with Picard that wasn't on the Enterprise but having seen it today I actually do buy it and I like her as a character I really do she's grown on me quite a lot and as I say her reaction interaction with Picard Picard's interaction with Rios Rios's general interaction with Rafi and Girati it kind of all works really nicer it's a really good crew and maybe the painful last four episodes of putting the crew together have actually been strong building blocks to have created that maybe we've underlooked that fact. I think this episode was really well structured it didn't really tell much into much of the stories we're looking to have developed more but it did bring everything together. One of the questions I was going to ask you, Vulcan or Romulan? See, Romulan. I thought Vulcan. No, Romulan. Because you said she, ridges and I know there's different ridges but... No, I, I think she's a northern Romulan because she had the ridges that she... Zaban. Jean yeah, so she had the same ridges that Saban has, which Laris actually refers to when they're giving the interrogation in Picard's office. Right, um, I thought because the eyebrows. And she say. says he's stubborn like you Northerners, and they had the ridges. Is obviously to try and explain why some don't, i.e., Laris, and some do. I think was the case. And actually, if you look at a hairdo, like a Billy Bowl hairdo, well, I thought that was Vulcan. No, if you remember, do you know? I know it's it is, and it's um, it's the same haircut that Tashi. Yaz 
daughter had when she was a Romulan. Right, okay. And do you remember when Troy had to pretend to be a Romulan? Yeah, yeah. Tal Shiar okay. officer. She had the same Billy Bold style haircut, which is why I recognised it. She's definitely a Romulan. It makes sense that there's lots of Romulans intermingling with certainly humans by virtue of what Picard was doing at the time. Okay. I know it's gone a bit off piece since then, but there will have been relationships built in between when yeah, it yeah. was working and when it went to shit. I'm almost talking myself into really, really liking this episode. There are still those things that do irk me. The silly things, like the super silly things that didn't need to be that silly but <laughs> actually the more you think about it it was a really strong character episode was. wasn't it i had in my mind a score and then you were like mm, well what about this i talked you off that precipice you, talk, you did I? and i stepped away from the edge and then now as we're breaking it You've down back on I it stepped back on the precipice now so i mean it ought to get a good score just because we didn't have to go to the frigging borg this week watch the sock fiasco continue well next week i think we've got joysticks <laughs> and it's the ancient Borg ritual of the lighting of candles and you may be familiar with this from previous episodes sometimes when the Borg feel a little bit down they'll light a candle <laughs> now somebody we haven't chatted about well I think we've left this because it's important to leave it to last because I think there's quite a lot to discuss well it moves on to sort of our theories as well doesn't it Dr Girati mm. the most obvious bad person who was a good person. But there wasn't something right about her, was there? (laughs) (laughs) No, you're right. There wasn't because she was essentially Maddox's sex robot. Let's just go with the word sex for one. There's something going on there. We've already established he's kind of a bit old now. Yeah. Like Maddox. Yeah. And I was like, and I said to you, I think when we're watching it, it's a bit more of a romantic thing. And she's quite young looking. Was it when they kissed when they had mouthful of cookie, which just, I mean, seriously, you're into mixing crumbs there. That doesn't feel right. It's like, you know, when you're having a drink off somebody who's been eating a bag of crisps and you go, oh, do you mind if some of your, some of your water? And you just. And then you pick it up and there's bits of crisps floating around. Yeah. <laughs> you, suddenly get the, you suddenly get the taste of smoky bacon. You think, I thought it was a coke. Coca-Cola, who are not a sponsor of this podcast. Picard Talk at thepodstation.co.uk, just saying. Before then, when you see her in the flashback bit of this, of this episode, yeah. I was like, mm, she probably like, she fancies him like a sort of a university student would like their lecturer. There was that going on, I got that impression. Mm. And as we develop further, there's a lot of other things because we need to kind of go chronologically with... Who, Aggie? With Aggie. Oh, yeah, Aggie, because we're not into giving people full names. JL. do. do. Do going quickly going back to Rafi because of the way in which their relationship moved. I almost are you happy almost, with this? Almost haven't almost nearly let the JL slide past nearly back to Aggie. Do, Aggie, do, Aggie. do. <laughs> She's definitely pushed a pineapple past something. <laughs> but then as we developed, there's a few things, wasn't there, that were giving a little more breadcrumbs to her character. So, for example, she's having a panic attack. It wasn't necessarily that she was having a panic attack. The EMH refers to her having a psychiatric episode. I mean, it could be a panic attack, but certainly the way he described it suggests it was something a lot more severe. Well, let me get all EMH on your ass. Oh, yeah. You use the word cortisol. Now, cortisol is a chemical that's released by the brain when the brain is under immense emotional distress pressure or anxiety when people have panic attacks and things like that cortisol is just like flooding the body it's the brain's way to protect itself i think that that's part of it he specifically says as you rightly say psychotic break now 
when you've got that person staring down at you and she's also having a psychotic break that doesn't sort of fill you with confidence does it well she was having it when she was responsible for beaming them up and she switches off the emh she does before he's able to diagnose which was a bit of a red herring for me because it seemed that i mean i know he was sort of talking about tranquilizing her. i'm sure he wouldn't have done if she'd have explained what she was being responsible for but she seemed to go to great pains for him not to be able to to examine her mm. and what was causing the problem, which suggested me she was hiding something. Agreed. Which happens again when Maddox is having his constipation attack on the bed. Oh, yeah. Because, again, the EMH pops up and goes, yeah, you're having another episode, and she switches him off again before she promptly kills him. Maddox. Yeah. We suspected that she might be a baddie. We did. We weren't sure, though, were we? We actually suspected, and possibly still do, that she's a synthetic and she doesn't either realise it or she does realise it and she's just acting as a double agent. Clearly, she is working for the Federation because she says, before she kills Maddox, I wrote this down, which is unusual for me, it's one more thing to atone for when she's talking about Soji and Daj. And then she said, I wish you know what I know and i wish they hadn't shown me which suggests that the federation have said or shown something to her okay and that she now thinks she's doing right by either trying to sabotage the mission or to get to soji first to bump her off it might be that the federation have shown the myth that she is the destroyer was it well that's what they called yeah and so that could be where we're being directed but in fact it could be that agnes is the destroyer well aggie might realize at the last minute that she's not the destroyer and that's when she turns good and redemption yeah i don't know sacrifices herself so they can all escape or something or mm. another good theory you've just mentioned there she's the destroyer yeah it's uh, so it's given us another thing to think about and it's taken the story onto a different path a little bit one of the things he did mention on his deathbed before she right royally killed him and another whistle stop tour a grim way of killing him as well mm. I, I think this ties back into whether she's a, a goodie who doesn't realize she's a baddie or whether she's just playing all bad because there's better ways of killing someone there's more painless ways of killing someone who you supposedly love well yeah and you want to share biscuits with when you kiss them yeah but slowly choking him which seemed to be what she did or poison it was quite explicit wasn't it in the way he's done it she didn't just inject him with something that put him asleep she watched him die slowly but he does mention doesn't he about the fact that he's been working with soon I mentioned last week but we will unpack it when we have a bit more time so far in terms of the canon there's only three data style data style androids now there's B4 which is the one that was made before what before law you know you know this is going to go down a comedic route (laughs) So there's B4, prototype, and as I mentioned last episode, B4 goes on to be the new data and serve on the Enterprise E. And he's currently in the draw. B4 in the draw. Are you sure? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Boom. (laughs) Fist bump, that is, for the listeners. And then you have law, and you have data. Now, law and data are made at the same time. What is important is... Law was given the emotion chip at the point of creation. Data wasn't. Law went a bit mental because of his understanding of everything. And then we know how that happened. But then we also have Soong's wife, who ends up being... His sex toy. Exactly. And because Maddox talks about him working closely with Soong, we'll be given the reason why you now have Agnes as potentially well, a perfect we, being. Well, do we think Maddox was jealous about Soong having a sex robot? I want his own. I wanted his own sex robot. Well, listeners, why not answer the question, who wants their own robot? (laughs) And it can be male or female, just for those listeners who think we're being sexist. Or a mixture of both. It's a robot. You can have detachable parts. Yeah, you can have a strap-on. Or (laughs) strap-off. 
Is it like Mr. Mr. Miyagi, Miyagi style? <laughs> Tune in to which ones you would like. We've got a couple of theories knocking around now. The Tarsia and the Federation are believed to be trying to track down the synthetics because they see them as a danger. Do we think the Tarsia are the ones trying to track them or do we think it's the Shatvaj that are actually trying to do it? Clearly pointing towards another deep-rooted conspiracy, isn't it? I mean, think back to the conspiracy that was happening with Section 31 with Dr. Bashir. Dr. Bashir was very forthright and spoke to Cisco about it. They during the Dominion War, if people don't remember, are going to commit genocide by killing off the founders through this specific treatment they found. The Section 31 had been working on that behind the scenes. They they took on Dr. Bashir to recruit him and he then told Captain Sisko, well, we've got history, haven't we, where there's been conspiracies deep-rooted within the Federation at certain levels. We've got... So we can have that happen again. We've got... Uh, Maddox says that the twins, Daj and Soji, were sent deliberately. Well, it seems now that Daj was sent to Earth to do an investigation of the Federation, although it seems a bit odd because she wasn't activated, so she I don't know not. how she could have investigated. It's a good thought, actually. I think maybe the two of them, because you've got one on the Borg cube, haven't you, who could be infiltrating the Telshiar, Shapvaj, Romulin thing, and then you've got the other one who wasn't quite aware that she was one. Well, neither of them are aware, but if you think about what they were doing, so Daj had just got into the Daystrom Institute, so if you think about it, surreptitiously, she probably was going to be looking into since the world and the history behind Makes sense. it Makes sense. without even realising she was doing an investigation and Soji seems to be doing much the same yep. on the Romulan Cube. And in addition to that, in, to, in using Star Trek history, the Daystrom Institutes have in fact been involved in secret missions and things anyway so they've got history of working under the radar and maybe they are agents so they're like a third group of people let's say. That's why our brother and sister combo... <laughs> <laughs> are trying to work her because they know and each other and each other as well maybe that's going on not the brother and sister thing that's, <laughs> that's clearly that's clearly going on but they, they're trying to get some information out of the second twin to see what's going on there but they've been implanted in each of the different areas the Federation and Romulans to un- uncover what this conspiracy is and report back to Maddox and Maddox who hasn't got a good history with the Federation you know he didn't get his request for data to deconstruct data he's been working with soon soon had gone against all of the protocols in place that the Federation had put in place. They talk about why the ban was put in place of synths. So again, we're hopefully going to get uncovering a bit more what that leads to, why they had to ban synths. Well, in, in this episode, you almost feel like Maddox is a criminal in so far as he's a bit like, I suppose, sung to a lesser degree in so far as he was doing illegal activities. He was a drunk. But actually, if you think about it, he's been driven underground by virtue of his expertise being the thing that is now banned mm. throughout the Fed so he's kind of had to deal with the likes of Fajazzle because he can't work with anyone else, can he? Because what he's doing is illegal. We see him, don't we, for a short period of time. <laughs> Very short period he's of time. He's gone. We see Seven, who's gone, because she pops back, doesn't she, to have a t- attack Fajazzle, who's wearing a shower curtain, and then... <laughs> and then promptly disappears. There are two two things which still very much need to be explained. I, I still think there's something quite poignant about the Borg parts, about the collection of Borg parts. You mentioned it's canon that the Romulans did collect Borg parts to use them to rebuild the Borg Queen. I wasn't saying the Romulans did, I was saying that there is canon in so much as we've had so far across the series and the films, we've had two Borg Queens, notably First Contact and Voyager, who were different actresses playing the part. The collective can build a new queen. We also know, when we've been talking episode one, in fact, that the Borg still exist and the Borg are still a main threat. And a theory is that the collective 
could in fact build with the Borg parts another queen. So what I was lending my theory to was from that understanding, there's reason that Romulans could be building a new Borg queen to then control the Borg queen. And if you can control the Borg queen, you essentially control the Borg. And that's an army that for every time they the opposition lose a soldier, they gain one. You've got a massive force. And that because of their current situation politically and milita- militaristically, the fact that the Romulans are massively depleted and as such have had to return back to their base, home world, whatever they are. They're almost having to do guerrilla warfare, really, aren't they? They will be looking for something that would be a power balance shift in the in the quadrant. So what better, like the Klingons and the Cardassians were trying to join, join forces with the Jem'Hadar and the Dominion. It all went it all went horribly wrong for them, didn't it? Yeah. I'm trying to think whether it was actually the Klingons joined the Federation. I think the Klingons joined the Federation, didn't they? And it actually it was the Cardassians, wasn't it? And the Breen, who get a brief mention in this episode, who joined the Dominion. And it all worked out very badly. So I have a feeling the Romulans are using the parts to build a new queen that control the Borg army to take over the Alpha Quadrant. I thank you. But... Oh, yes. Let me murk the waters some more because Rafi when she's talking to her son it might have even been the son who said it it mentions the conclave of eight yeah I caught that do we know who they are well no of course not but that isn't the kind of fact you just lob casually into conversation without it being something of, of relevance you should I never think. lob in a conversation no <laughs> I have been thrown out many and many <laughs> as <there. laughs> this Conclave of eight thing. I think it's got like I don't know what it means. I don't know whether it's a, a collection of eight planets or races or what it might be. But clearly, I think it ties in with who's after what and who's trying to do what. It's ironic that we seem to have made some more significant strides forward in this episode with the theories of what may or may not be happening than the episodes where we have to painfully go to the bar cube to watch the world's worst romance blossom. Yeah, we'll probably see him reading Mills and. Boo novels to her. <laughs> and then upping the uh, examine levels of their corridor sliding by now just doing it in underwear. Oh, yes. So they slide on the bums instead of the socks. Okay. Yeah, so that's going to be next week's episode, guys. Spoilers. Yeah, sorry about that. I think we've done that quite thoroughly, I feel. We've but- jumped around about a bit, but I think that's what happens when you watch an episode raw and don't really have time for your brain to catch up with your mouth. Well, I feel it's like a cancelling session because I've, I've almost talked myself around about three times. <laughs> Point to the bear. <laughs> so have we got any nerd facts? Warning! Warning! Nerd alert! We have indeed. Now, this week we would have had a wonderful link to those fans of Voyager and Deep Space Nine. There was a couple of things early on in the episode which you may have seen as we entered Blade Runner territory. Uh, you would have got um, Mr. Mott. Yeah, You the saw haircut. the haircut from uh, Next Generation. You would have seen the Dabo tables, which I kind of loosely mentioned last week. Uh, so nice to see that involved. And Quark was mentioned. Yeah, he was. clearly gave the reference. He does. So clearly he exists and Picard knows of him. So that was another one. Well, no, Raffi, because Raffi's the one who put Rios's background together, which gave him that reference. Right, if he was to check it up. Well, no, I, I suspect Raffi's dropped a line to Quark saying, if oh. anyone rings, you just say yes. Okay, what we do know, though, he is still established that he's alive and he's around. We get blink and you miss it, is the Breen. One of the Ferengi phrases, never turn your back on a Breen. Species that we don't know too much about. They were kind of heavily focused in the Dominion War. They were developed more for Deep Space Nine. They always reminded me of, do you remember in uh, Return, Return of the Jedi. Jedi. <laughs> 
they do, don't uh, they? Absolutely. With Princess bump. Leia with the helmet yeah. on. Yeah. That's exactly what they look like. And they just sit there very quietly. Apparently, the thing that was mentioned in the Dominion War was Gemma Dar visit the planet and just gave the impression that they were kind of told the story that the Bream planet is inhospitable. Inhos- not very easy to live on. It's easy for you to stay. <laughs> Says you. <laughs> Hang on, let me put my other teeth in. Put my teeth in. Put grandma's in. We'll swap teeth. They have obviously given off the impression that they live on a kind of a cold planet. Anyway, it turns out the Dominion visit it and it turns out it's perfectly fine. It's obviously very secretive. Just a shit old video. Yeah. <laughs> they want to conquer it. Yeah, you can keep that. <laughs> for deep space... For deep space what? Deep space flange. <laughs> have you ever had deep space flan? <laughs> For Deep Space Nine fans and Voyager fans, there was nice little nods to those. A nice little callback where we see Seven and Nine helping Echeb. Not very well. I say help in the loosest possible terms, more accurately, is if you could give as much help as not help them in any shape or form and more just shoot them in the stomach. Yep. Then that kind of help. That's what we see. That was the episode Endgame of Season 7 Voyager. Bejazzle offers Maddox a drink of Tranya, which is from the original series The Corbinite Maneuver. Bruce Maddox finally turns up, having not been played by the same Character. Eventually, well, double disappointment here. Not happy about that because we've been looking forward to seeing Maddox, and he didn't massively move the story forward because all he said to Picard was what we've already learnt. So I guess he was bringing Picard up to speed. Everything he said, Raffi has already said as well. People have already reached the conclusions, so he didn't even add anything to the story, really. No, at he? all. No, it, it, it except was, to out Girati as a baddie. It was a mechanism in which to out Girati for the viewer. That was really it was. It's a bit of a, a lacklustre ending, I feel, for people who were thinking, oh, Maddox, that'd be quite good to have him back in. Sadly, that was not to be. I we, bet the character playing Maddox was rubbing his hands when he was reading episode one. He was going... Yeah, I'm going to be a big part this season. The money is going to come in. No. Not realising they wouldn't be seen till episode five. He'd have two lines. He'd have three minutes of screen time. And, and IBS. And then he'd be gone. Yeah, killed off. We find out through the narrative of Seven of Nine spending 13 years with the Rangers that the Romulan neutral zone has dissolved following what happened on Mars, which could also lead to what I was saying about my theory about the Borg Queen being created and them trying to fill a vacuum in their militaristic approach to a war on the Alpha Quadrant. Sorry to interject there again. That was quite an interesting debate between Picard and Seven of Nine about the Rangers' role in Mm. that region of space. He saw them as vigilantes, so to be respected for their good nature, good intentions, but to be frowned upon because they were acting outside of the law. Seven of Nine quite rightly put him back in his place a little bit and said, what law? It is lawless here. There is no control. There is no structure or stability. We're here just trying to clear clear up the shit as best as we can and so it's a bit rich to say we're vigilantes we're, we're making the best of a, a bad situation which is quite interesting really because i don't know whether that showed picard's black and white way of looking at things again you know this this purity that he feels the universe should be about the romulans and mm. now about the synthetics about how he feels the Federation's role in this should be, whether he's still that black and white way of looking at it yeah. and so being naive, or whether Seven of Nine's gone so into the grey area she's 
lost all perception. The best scene I felt was where they she's about to transport down to the Jazzle who's wearing a shower curtain. <laughs> the interaction between the two of them is because they don't know each other, but what they do share, the commonality is they've both ex-Borg. One of the few moments where he addresses his past, notably the other time being with Alfred Woodard, is on first contact. He says, we must draw the line here. And so I really thought that scene was pretty nice between the two of them because although she's a renegade and he wants to do things properly, here's her rebuttal of what you're saying makes perfect sense we talked about it last week her role as a Fenris Ranger is a brand new thing it's not canon it's brand new it's a vehicle which allows her to come into this episode for five minutes <laughs> so we're going to see a lot of this happening I would imagine where they go ah what in, what's Diana Troy doing yeah she's working as a, a Dabo table girl now on the way to the Borg cube they're going to turn left accidentally instead of right Beta Z bump into the planet where Riker and Troy happen to have pitched up oh while we're here we'll uh, just pop in for a, a cup of Earl Grey Decaf tea. I think he'll be on Rigel Four. Riker. He won't be. I'm saying this for my comedic benefit. Because isn't Rigel? Is it Riser or Rigel? It was Riser where you had those statues. <laughs> the you know, fertility statues. Yeah, the phallic ones. <laughs> Rubber's head, not Picard's. <sighs> that still remains one of the funniest things when when Riker deliberately gives Picard something he has no understanding yes. of whatsoever. It's when you turn up in a pair of hot pants. And a silky gown and just walk around the planet. It was an odd outfit that Picard was wearing. It? it didn't lend itself to not wanting to be bothered, particularly when you're carrying a fertility statue. It was a little bit, for, well, for me, having been quite comfortable with Picard walking around with his full uniform on, was quite a hard thing to get my head around when I've seen him walk around with his sort of silky gown and, and essentially speedos. And his hairy chest and out. And his hairy chest out, his grey hairy chest out, which, you know, each to his own. I mean, I remember I got barred from the local swimming baths, actually, because the S fell off my speedos. <laughs> <laughs> but to see him on Rigel 4 walking around bold as brass you know you have to be a certain level of person to carry that off and not do you imagine if it, you, if it you or I well I'd look like I've just smuggled 15 pair of socks around like I've shot myself there'd be someone trying to lampoon me like a whale <laughs> Yeah, it's like people drag me back into the sea. <laughs> we get to see the transporter patterns being used, although a different variation of what we've seen. It's um, a bit quicker, isn't it, the way it beams them up? Pattern enhancers clearly enhanced since then. You know, we've seen them before. We've seen them on Voyager Discovery, in fact, and um, Season Five's Power Play, that good episode Power Play. We get to see the city. I just, I didn't like the name Free Cloud. It feels crap. It seems very similar to the Paradise City from Star Trek Five. Yeah. There wasn't anything new to it, really. Free cloud, it just... I thought it sounds like an internet provider. Yeah. Well, I think we were joking, weren't or we? Or an online well, gaming. When we, when we were introduced to it, you and I were both saying we thought it was a place where you stored all your data. Yeah. And not the one that's been in, in put in a tray. <laughs> Draw. Yes. <laughs> the conversation between Rafi and Rios about the fact that Seven was a Borg. He's obviously clearly referencing season three's Best of Both Worlds, where he becomes Locutus. And Best of Both Worlds and, in fact, First Contact are both directed by Jonathan Frakes, who, as we've said before, does really good episodes. And that is all we have. It's not. You've missed one. You even pointed it out during the episode. Have I not written it down? The Voyager tune. Oh, I haven't written that down. No, don't be editing this out. You missed but didn't miss because you 
pointed out at the time that they start playing the Voyager theme tune as, as Seven steps onto the transport pad, yeah. which is which is quite nice. I've just neglected to remember telling you, although I told you as it was happening. Fair play to you, sir. Well, I'm claiming it. No, no, claim it. <laughs> I don't get many chances. Did it, didn't they? Was it episode two where he's on the on the ship and he's he engaged on the ship and yeah. they play his little theme they tune? Go next gender. They've always they? done that because if you remember on first contact when Worf is firing at the Borg cube in the Defiant, they're playing the Klingon theme tune. They've just continued that really. That does end the Easter eggs this week. Fantastic. So, what did you think of this episode? I like. Sorry, what do you think about this episode now? <laughs> As opposed to an hour and 34 minutes ago. I like it. I like it a lot. I liked it to begin with and then you mess with my brain and then I wasn't too sure and as we've unpacked it and discussed the the really good things the story and the narrative I've shifted again back to my original thought I'm the same yeah I think the small number of things that irritated me I thought were a bit stupid were seemed more prominent when I watched the episode the first time round having now as you say unpacked it there's actually quite a lot of depth to it which was handled very well bearing in mind he's packed it all into 40 minutes there's been a lot of character development there's been some really good relationship building we've moved the story along a little bit it has answered some questions actually do you know the thing i think we suffer from is confirmation bias we both are expecting something negative based on what we know and when we see that happening we go oh here we go again and when we're unpacking these these episodes which is why it's really valuable to kind of look back on it is we're dusting away like archaeologists the the bits that we haven't actually thought about and we've given them a bit more credence and so as such we're getting an even better valued view of something because we're now talking about it and this episode although as you rightly say it's 44 minutes still managed to get a lot in there we've seen really good dynamic exchanges between the, the crew for me has warmed me more and even with Agnes now I feel like we're kind of getting somewhere there's things being answered but we don't we didn't know I suppose as we're watching them passes by subliminally and then we're going oh yeah that happened although we are getting Maddox turn up for five seconds and we are get seven of nine for five seconds they're dropping us little breadcrumbs they're leading on to episode 6 I'm hoping I know you're not going to be happy about this because we're going to be on the Borg ship looks like we're pretty much entirely going to be on the Borg ship yep shall we take which it? is fine because Picard and the rest are on there it's not going to be watching Narek and Soji pretending to fall in love with one another it seems like there's going to be a bit of action and certainly a, a bit of a coming together of worlds and interests I have heard on the grapevine that Narek has in fact ruined one of the coolant towers and turned the lower deck of the ball cube into an ice rink <laughs> and he's made some some lollies <laughs> <laughs> and he's overheated the top one so it's like a sauna yeah what are you giving this out of 10 8 what were you going to give it after we just watched it and I talked you down and I went to 7 and you back up to an 8 back up to 8 so I'm, I'm sticking with 8 and it's a decent 8 it's not a str- it's not a weak 8 it's not a strong 8 it's a middle of the road 8 what about you <sighs> You're torn, aren't you, sir? I'm really torn. From all your members of your brain? I thought the character developments warranted this to be given an eight. Now I think about it, there was some really good stuff. There are still some things that really irk me. Okay. There was some silliness I just thought was too silly. I'm annoyed that we haven't got seven and nine. He was going to be hanging around. I feel a bit cheated that she's just played such a small role. They've built it up with us believing that she's going to play a major part in this and actually she wasn't she was just a small part of a, a bigger picture hmm. so I feel a little bit cheated the character bit I would give an 8 the 
silly bits, I would have given it a six. Oh, I therefore, six. I guess, have to go in the middle and say it, I think it's going to be a seven because okay. the more I've talked to myself about it, the more I think this was a good episode. It was and, well written, I thought. Yeah, well, I thought Johnny had dropped a bollock to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> He's, yeah, actually, I th- with hindsight, I think it was a very cleverly not obvious. When you say dropped one, do you mean number one, the dog, or Jonathan Frakes? <laughs> well, number one's got two rather large ones we've seen They've that. dropped everywhere. That's the only dog. <laughs> that's the only dog that basically cleans the house as it's walking around the kitchen. <laughs> there's just a trail of cleanliness. Yeah, there's just one area of the whole carpet, which is, and then he's just got like a pile of crisp packets. <laughs> You got crisp packets and fag ends and lollipop sticks just under his crotch. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, he put a lot in that wasn't immediately obvious and only is when you start chewing the and fat. And that's, that's the sign of good writing. Well, it is. And good directing as yeah. well. It must be difficult because, you know, you and I both know when we edit these shows, the comedy value these provide us when we're editing, what we leave out, what you put in, what you have to be careful of not missing out because of context. So you've got 44 minutes and you've got to make the story seamlessly fit into the whole of the series. Uh, uh, I'm oh, going to give this an eight. <laughs> You, you, you've taught me into an eight. You're right. You're absolutely right. God damn it. Thank you, Jonathan Frakes. But the, I did say at the very beginning there was some seriously schizophrenic arguments going on in my head about whether this was absolutely ridiculous and rubbish or whether it was absolutely brilliant. And yeah, I think I'm leaning more towards the, the brilliant, although I wouldn't use that word. Eight. Never be ashamed. Final decision. Okay, very good. Final decision seven. Final decision six. Edit as you see fit. <laughs> I think we'll go with your final, final answer which is eight yeah so i think my friend that rounds it up have we got anything to no no i think that i think that's all good don't forget give us a follow on social media it's at picard talk we're on facebook instagram and twitter please give us a five star review or just give us a review it'd be quite nice just to get some reviews some feedback uh, some feedback would be nice yeah, yeah it would Posit- be positive cool. feedback as we've said before any negative ones will be thrown into the gone pit and chomped away and never responded to but one of the things we've been mentioning which we think is extremely extremely valuable if you don't agree with us why not do your own podcast indeed we have a whole plethora of valuable options to you you can be a whiz kid at this or just newbie and if you're either of those we can assist you so why not visit the podstation.co.uk and have a look at how you can get your own podcast done indeed patreon.com forward slash podstation chuck yep. in a book that's always good yep. that'd be really well appreciated oh yeah and i forgot to give a big shout out to my brother-in-law he dropped me a line this week just to say he'd listen to it and thought it was good he also gave me a link to some rather peaceful star trek noises that should help you uh, slip off into a dreamy sleep thank you very much bro much appreciated and big shout out to you kid oh by the way give me a five star review you miserable get <laughs> thank you very much for listening i guess make it so number one <laughs>